Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. We appreciate you tuning in today for this awesome episode of Getting Back uh, Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Today's guest, of course, is Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home magazine. And today's episode is... Pots in the Garden, and Richard has a special announcement to make today. We'll be talking about that in addition to today's topic, which is going to be Pots in the Garden. So stay with us. We'll continue right after this short break. When you need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensea.com. Brensea spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brensea.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri 
It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on this episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, where we welcome Richard Frudenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine. We'll be getting to Richard here in just a moment. I want to remind everybody that time is running out to register for the national webinar with yours truly and a doctor veterinarian from the USDA and an epidemiologist from the CDC, uh, the live webinar regarding keeping a healthy flock. It'll be this coming Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, registration is free. The whole event is free. It'll be from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Topics covered will be things like uh, external parasites, internal parasites, uh, lighting in the coop, heating in the coop, uh, keeping you, yourself and your flock safe from disease, keeping them safe and healthy. And uh, again, free to register, we ask that you visit our Facebook page. We posted several times on uh, the link to register for free. That's facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer. And we would love to have you join us. Uh, space is limited. There's only openings for 1,000 attendees. We went through a dress rehearsal uh, with the webinar uh, this morning with CDC and uh, USDA, and it went, out, went off without a hitch. Uh, but the space is very limited. Spaces are starting to run out. So uh, if you'd like to attend this free event, uh, please register as soon as possible. So we've got that going on. And then, of course, uh, it's been a crazy two or three days here at the homestead, getting ready to leave on Monday for six weeks. So all the stuff you have to do, not just for personal around the homestead, but all the stuff you need to dot your I's and uh, cross your T's for making sure that once you're gone, you're gone. You can't really, oh, I forgot my microphone. i got to go back and get that when you're 700 miles away. <laughs> so just making sure we have all that taken care of and booking travel. And it's very interesting that you start looking at your schedule back when we booked, you know, uh, did the route and getting everything approved with tractor supply. And uh, back in our spring tour, we had a, an event 
didn't even cross my mind because it wasn't, you know, I guess marked on my uh, calendar on my computer, the dates, <laughs> that we actually had an event on Mother's Day on a Sunday. And it, actually, we had good turnout. <laughs> People brought their mom to learn about chickens, which was great. I was a little worried, but we actually had a pretty good turnout for Mother's Day. And I just noticed that, uh, actually yesterday, that we will be traveling over Labor Day weekend. And that has become a hassle with uh, booking uh, accommodations. So, but we did find something for a Friday night. And uh, I'm looking for Saturday and Sunday. And we do have Labor Day Monday night. So I'm looking for something around the Milford, Connecticut area uh, on uh, that Saturday and Sunday night of the Labor Day weekend. So it may be quite difficult. Uh, we may be boondocking somewhere or hanging out somewhere in the backyard. <laughs> so, uh, but we got the tour coming up. You can see the complete schedule there also at our Facebook page. And yesterday, uh, finally yesterday, I announced the winner on our Facebook page of the Chicken Whisper Magazine Spring Flock Contest, the awesome Green Chicken Coop, uh, Green Coop Company Chicken Coop that we gave away in the magazine, uh, our spring issue. And it was absolutely a beautiful coop. But we announced the winner. I think it was Sharon from Wisconsin. And uh, we posted that in a picture of the coop she won on our Facebook page. Just congratulations. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember now if there's still enough time to enter the contest we had in our summer magazine or not. There may be. I don't know if it ended uh, at the end of July or if it ended at the end of August. I'm not sure. I'll try to research that this afternoon and post it again on our uh, Facebook page so people can enter if they have not already for a beautiful urban coop company, Chicken Coop, the Round Top Coop. And so that's our summer issue. And I don't know if we're going to have a big contest for uh, the fall issue. I need to get on that as well, along with 1,900 other things, so no worries. But let's get on with the show. Uh, again, we have Richard Frutenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, joining us today. And uh, other than our topic today, which is Pots in the Garden, um, we have a, a special announcement that Richard's going to be making uh, regarding the future of Back Home uh, Magazine and uh, where we go from here kind of on the podcast and also uh, with Chicken Whisper Magazine. So uh, let's all give, as always, uh, Richard Frudenberger, a big Chicken Whisperer welcome. All righty. Welcome, Richard. Thanks for joining us today, as always. Okay. You're welcome, Andy. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today. So um, I'm just going to guess that we probably want to start off with some, some announcements, and then we'll get on actually to the uh, topic, and then uh, we'll uh, uh, so we can uh, stay focused on uh, keeping those separate. We'll talk about both of them and cover both of them. But uh, I know you've got some uh, news you'd like to share with all of our longtime listeners that enjoy coming on on the second or fourth Thursday of every month and listening to all the great information that you share here. And that's not going to change, but... There's also a lot of people after 20-plus years that have subscribed to uh, Back Home Magazine, and they'll see a little bit of a change coming up here after the next issue. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the changes that are going on there at Back Home Magazine and with yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good idea. We can start with that. Um, As I told you yesterday, uh, or whatever it was in the past few days, uh, uh, I I told you, Andy, that um, Back Home has... uh, the staff of Back Home here has decided to um, cease the actual publishing of the magazine. So we've we've been doing this for 24 years uh, since 1990. We have we have published Back Home. Started out with um, a very small um, quarterly magazine and uh, and a very small amount of money. Um, I, I I don't remember. It might have been about $2,400 we started with, and 
and we built it up to um, you know to a uh, never was a huge publication, but it was um, it was a very respectable uh, for an independent publisher, which is which is sort of rare these days. It is um, it was a, a very um, respectable and and uh, and well uh, uh, you know well recognized magazine. I think people um, appreciated it. Um, but after 24 years, we have decided to turn the reins over to another magazine, which is very similar in nature, um, even broader based, um, not just here in in the, in the states here, but they're in Canada and actually in many of the other English-speaking countries in the world: uh, Australia, New Zealand, England, um, and on top of that, even places where um, people are doing uh, all sorts of of, um, of self self-sufficient, sustainable, and and, uh, uh-huh. and uh, do-it-yourself kind of things, where they also you know, speak English, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people do, places like um, Netherlands and, um, gee, I don't know where else. I've seen other articles from uh, Germany and other, other places, uh, uh, Ireland. But main, mainly mainly what I'm, what I'm getting at is it is also a broader base. The, the new magazine is called Permaculture, just like the gardening technique that I've talked about before. And uh, they've been in business um, uh, about the same time, as, same length of time as we have. Um, and the, we basically here have decided to uh, to stop the, the publishing, the printing going forward of new magazines. But we will, we are remaining here in business to uh, to sell our uh, back issues, our DVDs. We have um, digital copies of the magazine uh, now. We have uh, the, the real hard copy print copy of the magazine we've got products and books and everything and we decided to stay uh stay here in the same place the same hours and the same way with the website and everything at back home magazine and uh basically just you know help to move that along uh, what part of the part of the reason that happened is because the we introduced ourselves into the permaculture readership and and many of the permaculture readers never uh, were aware of back home, or, or hadn't seen it, or maybe just saw it and never really uh, knew about it. But they never really uh, had a copy. Of course, now they're interested in what um, and what back home's all about. So we're getting business from the um, interest and inqu- inquiries and, and purchases from the from the permaculture people, as well as from some of the um, back home people who maybe just didn't buy back issues in the past or, or were waiting for the digital issues to come out and now they want to get them before uh you know they figure if we're we're sort of winding things down uh, they want to pick them up now before um before while they can basically so uh and we do have you know we do have a stock of um of, of uh, back you know original back issues in print and uh, some of them are fairly limited and some of them we have plenty of but uh you know when they're gone they're gone so we're just we're just running uh, running it that way and um you know, essentially, the uh, the choice for uh, for um, turning the reins over to permaculture was um, uh, several several reasons. Uh, one was that they are they are um, broadening their base, and they really were uh, eager to um, sort of launch or or um, roll out into the into the Canadian and, and United States market even even more so than they had been uh, in the past. And I think they're also I've looked. I, I and my the staff here has looked at um, a number of different magazines. We must have looked at probably six or ten of them. Uh, talked to you know talked about who might who might want to work with in, in this uh, transition. And um, and there's a couple of people that come to mind. I mean, obviously the readers, the uh, listeners, and our readers could probably think of a few magazines that are very close to ours. Uh, you know, competitors or just similar magazines. But uh, 
but permaculture was the choice because it was really one of the few that was that was still very very hands-on how to uh low cost kind of stuff it wasn't buy buy everything but also a combination of buying things and making things out of uh, out of material that reusing things re repurposing things and that's that was that is and was very important to uh, to our readership and to us too so uh, so rather than just sort of turn it over to anybody we we thought maybe uh, permaculture would be a, a good fit um and it uh this this occurred not not very long ago so we are just um we are just uh, still um dealing with uh, questions and you know people have issues with things and whatever um and but but the transition seems to be going very well so far and uh, of course anybody who has a subscription to back home that has another you know issue or two or a year or two or whatever um will be getting uh, permaculture instead of back home since our last issue officially was uh, July August of 2014 um and we hope and we encourage people that um when they when they get their new issue of permaculture they they'll uh, stick with it and and I hope would would renew with permaculture when uh, you know when the time comes um and that um you know as for myself and maybe maybe uh, some of the other folks here at um uh, either on staff or especially our 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 diehard uh, standing constri- contributors who have always provided us with um with a really good editorial content that we you know that we've enjoyed over these years um i am hoping in fact we've even already started discussing maybe they will be looking at um at uh, writing for the new magazine permaculture uh uh in in place of back home and depending on what what it is they're writing about their permaculture is very much into um home gardening growing uh, organic organic growing and uh, and the practices of permaculture permanent agriculture is what is what that actually is um, composting um, healthy foods healthy gardens chemical free practices um, small livestock renewable energy solar and all the other renewable energies that we've talked about uh, with back home over the years green building is a big deal especially lower cost green building the do it yourself kind of kind of a natural building very very uh very popular um and a lot of community things maybe maybe a little more so than even we we did a lot of community practices community action kind of things of how can you make your community or your neighborhood a better a better more resilient place to live and work and um and uh, and practice these kind of things so a lot of this harkens back to the old just old timey way of living um you know the way back home did and some of it's more modern and more um maybe a, a little younger approach to uh, to um uh to things and you know i would say they're probably more tuned in i know they are more tuned into the social networking um they 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 practice that a lot the facebook and the twitter and and a lot more um a lot more public uh, interaction and and that kind of thing through social media as well as the print they have an excellent um um digital magazine as well as the uh, as well as the normal print magazine and a and a very active uh, uh facebook presence and website with a lot of different resources um going beyond what we had on our website so you know i think i think the choice was good from our standpoint and i hope it it was a good one from uh from the reader standpoint and the subscriber standpoint and as you said andy i will continue um you know for the time being as far as i can see i will continue to be a guest on the show um we we still have a lot of information um i think i've even told you andy if we 
if I took away the last ten years of back home and just re- relied on the first, you know, the first ten or whatever, we'd still have a great show because, you know, the information chickens chickens don't change. You know, I mean, over over twenty twenty five years, I mean, it's the same chicken. So, um, um, you know, whether it's chickens or um, or um, you know, building stuff or gardening or whatever, it's it's generally pretty much the same. It's just the way people practice it. Um, the only thing that might change is technology as far as solar stuff, but you know I will I keep up with that anyway. So, so I think we'll continue to have some you know some good good uh, shows uh, every uh, second and fourth Thursday, and unless you change the schedule. But uh, we um, you know I'm looking forward to it, and I I just wanted to make that announcement, which will be we have already started to do that. Um, the, the initial issues of permaculture that's incorporating back home are starting to come out now. Um, and the uh, the new owners are are uh, sort of feeling their their way through the um, you know through the mechanics of uh, of dealing with subscription new subscriptions and new distribution and new you know new customers and new mechanisms by which they can uh, spread the uh, spread the magazine around so so we'll help them with that and uh, we'll see how that uh, you know see how that goes but uh, you know for it's anybody not, who's maybe oh go ahead is the uh, permaculture magazine is it going to be uh, um, is it bi-monthly, six times a year? Is it is it every month? How how does it, it, it correlate? It's a, it's a quarterly year? magazine, but it it's a, they have a lot more pages than we do, so the so the exchange is about even. Um, I, I I don't know what their plans are to to uh, shift up into a into a bi-monthly. That's usually that's usually the case when people uh, move along and they'll they'll step it up. I just don't know if they have the staff right now to do that. Um, but I do know they um, they have. Um, uh, more pages and more content than we do, so uh, so the um, you know the balance more or less is about the same. Somebody you know getting a subscription is going to get uh, you know going to get uh, just about the same amount of content. So so that is that is the only difference really. The magazine's a little bigger as far as size, um, physical size, and the the, the color um, is um, you know there's a lot of color pictures in it. A lot more. Um, I'd say there's more photos in it, and um, still a lot of information in it. A lot of books, um, and um, other things like uh, training programs, schools, some products, uh, more more products than we we generally have. Has a small mercantile section, but they have a fairly large section with uh, even with even more books and stuff. So I think people are, can you know um, can get into that and grow with them and change with them because I'm sure they're going to change. Um, as they get more and more of our of our type of contributor and writer here, um, the Canadian and, and U.S. Uh, writers and uh, and other um, and other new writers mixing in with the with the ones they've always had, I think it'll be a you know a pretty good a pretty good publication. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, sharing the news with all of our, our longtime listeners that uh, tune in a lot of them specifically for the second and fourth Thursday show to hear about homesteading and sustainable living and all the great topics you bring. And so just to let folks know, that's that's not going to change. But if you do subscribe to Back Home that you've already and you have you know a half a year or a year left or what have you on your subscription that you'll start getting the other magazines so you'll kind of know and be aware of uh, what, what's happening when you get Permaculture Magazine uh, there. And also, uh, other news, when I was talking to Richard about this uh, and about that, um, I had invited him and talked to him about the possibility of writing for Chicken Whisper Magazine because, again, he has a lot, of add, uh, lot to add and tons and tons and years and decades of experience. So uh, we talked about that, and I think probably starting in our winter issue, you'll see an article. We have yet to name the department that it's going to be under or whatnot, but uh, some articles from Richard 
whether it be about sustainable living related to chickens, um, getting your coop uh, to be solar and just different things like that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that and I welcome him to uh, be a, a, a really valuable contributor to Chicken Whisperer magazine and uh, making sure that it stays, again, uh, uh, again, our whole goal, raising the bar compared to the other publications that were out there about about backyard poultry. So um, we're really glad and looking forward to having his article and expertise uh, in Chicken Whisperer magazine. So we're excited about that. So uh, Pretty good information. We thank you for sharing uh, that with us, Richard, and we wish you, of course, the best with all your new endeavors, of course, and I uh, want to let everybody know that, uh, again, in the past, we've given away, for example, one-year subscriptions to Back Home Magazine, and I think what we're going to do, in fact, this last week, uh, we gave away a uh, on the show, I think it was last Friday, the Friday before, we had a fun trivia day, and we gave away a year subscription the back home, and I've already contacted that young lady and told her that uh, uh, her prize is on her way, and what we did instead of the one-year subscription is we uh, honored her and gave her, and it's been sent out, uh, one of the DVD-ROMs, uh, a DVD that has, um, I think, the, the last five years of Back Home magazines on that DVD. So she was thrilled, very excited to get that. She was talking about the advantages of not having to store a bunch of magazines or have them get dusty or have to have a place to store them. And, uh, the last five years of uh, uh, Back Home magazine she was going to be receiving uh, on a DVD. So she was thrilled for uh, to receive that. So that's something else that, that you can do. Like Richard said, you know, cooking with cast iron, we've talked about here on the show, and that's an article in one of his past magazines. That's technology is really not going to change. You still can value uh, that information from that article that was, you know, years past. So that's a great avenue if you're still interested and in, in, in enjoy it, or maybe you're just you've a, a new customer of back home because you really like what they're producing. No worries. You could go in, uh, uh, to backhomemagazine.com and you can uh, get all the back issues while they last, uh, real physical issues. If you're a kind of touchy-feely, sit by easy chair and read a magazine type of person, or you're more high-tech and digital and want all that on a DVD, less storage space, but still have access to all the information with a click, then uh, that's available to you as well. Uh, again, backhomemagazine.com. So um, great information, and we thank you for sharing that with us, Richard. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's you know obviously big news for us, and, um, you know, there's... Um, um, you know, uh, we've been doing this a long, long time, so it's really not—it's not an awful thing. I mean, people are are uh, ready to, uh, you know, uh, move on, retire, whatever. So, uh, so this is uh, this is not an unexpected thing. Um, uh, and uh, you know, it just sort of—it happened a little, a little more quickly. I mean, we we had been sort of transitioning. Uh, looking and uh, into stretching it a little bit longer and t trying to spend some more time to, uh, you know, to find the right uh, the right partner and and uh, uh, you know to transition to. But um, you know things things happen uh, rather quickly sometimes. We just we just really decided to to have it happen before the end of the year for a number of reasons, and that's um, you know it's basically what it is. But uh, but uh, I don't think um, you know I don't think the readers of the uh, of the um, permaculture magazine are going to be disappointed at all. So, uh, you know, I feel I feel we all feel pretty pretty good about it. Very good. And I tell you what we're going to do. So, uh, to, to not um, 
interrupt uh, the next portion of our show, I'll go ahead and take our second commercial break and get that kind of out of the way. Then when we bring you back, um, we will start with our topic today, Pots in the Garden. And uh, as it was said in the chat room, no, we're not talking about pot in the garden. This is not medical marijuana we're talking about. Uh, utilizing pots with an S in the garden, and that is today's topic. Um, uh, shame on you in the chat room. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll return with our topic right after this short break, and then there will be no more breaks. We'll just go right through with uh, Pots in the Garden and that, that curriculum for today's show, uh, and you won't be interrupted again. So uh, uh, we'll be back right after this short break. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit ChickenFountain.com. That's ChickenFountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Established in 1957, GQF has become the name to trust when it comes to quality products and superior customer service. GQF offers a wide range of poultry products, including incubators, brooders, feeders, waters, and much, much more. Give them a call at 912-236-0651 or visit them online at gqfradio.com. That's gqfradio.com. 
www.ideopoultry.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. How would you like a punch in the beak? Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today. No more commercial breaks for the rest of the podcast. We've got those out of the way. Thanks to our sponsors for uh, allowing the show to be absolutely free. All the great educational information over the last six years, about 950 episodes uh, from experts in their field. So we thank you very much. Support our sponsors whenever you can. Alrighty, Richard, you are back live in today's topic, Pots in the Garden. Uh, tell us all about that, my friend. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, topic. It's not. We're. We're. Um, it's not a very long uh, discussion we're going to have, but it's, it's going to be, um, you know, a little shorter than normal. But we did take up uh, time with the uh, with the announcement. Uh, but basically, it's um, it's an article that um, we've been hearing, or a topic we've been hearing a lot about lately. It's, it's certainly nothing new, but it's something that that su- suddenly this summer has been. Um, has been one that I've seen over and over again. Now that that just could be because I was aware of it, but uh, we seem to have gotten a lot of um, a lot of um, either uh, contributors calling about it or um, or uh, talking about it or just see. I've I've been seeing it mentioned in um, in uh, other publications and blogs and such. Um, but it's, it's essentially using containers like in a container garden, except not. Uh, leaving them above the soil. It, it, essentially, we're talking about um, uh, taking the pots and burying them into the soil at varying depths, and I'll explain that uh, the reason for that in a little bit. But um, but instead of using the garden, whether it's a um, raised bed or, or a regular plot or or any other type of garden, instead of just um, digging your your rows and furrows and or, or a hole, whatever, and putting your uh, plants in. Um, we're talking about actually putting, placing them in a container and then burying the container in the soil. And, um, you know, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one of which, well, there's, I guess I'll get back. There's two, there are two different kinds of containers we can, we can use here. You can, you can either use a terracotta pot, you know, the regular clay type pot, or um, more likely a, um, a plastic uh, pot like the kind you can you know buy whole plants in, uh, or any other container by the way that that um, is like that. I mean, some uh, you could use a you know you could use a food container that uh, is plastic, or a um, a yogurt container. A um, um, gee, I could think of like a drywall mud comes in a small size, you know, like a like a quarter a quarter or whatever it might be of uh, drywall mud uh, coming in a small bucket. Um, uh, there are um, confectionery frostings and uh, um, things like that that come in come in the smaller buckets. Um, I don't mean the five-gallon bucket. I mean something you know sm- much smaller, about the size of a flower pot. But um, no matter either one you choose, each one has its own um, 
has its own characteristics, and I'll I'll go through you know go through them uh, as we as we move along. Um, essentially, what if you if you just take a, a potted plant and bury it in the soil, you would not have the same effect as uh, as what I'm about to describe. Um, putting it putting it in the soil in the first place, it it really helps with um, really helps with uh, keeping the keeping the um, plants cooler and moister, keeping the root system moist and the root system uh, cooler in the hot summer months, especially in direct sunlight. Um, by burying the uh, container in the ground as opposed to having a container garden and leaving it above the ground, um, anybody who's done that realizes that the container garden, the nor- traditional conventional container garden needs to be watered a lot more frequently because the sun just sucks the water out of the root system. And, and if you don't keep up with it, you can really uh, damage the, um, the plant because uh, uh, it doesn't like the swings between you know dry and, and too, too wet and then dry and wet and dry and wet. So, uh, so uh, what we're doing is putting, putting the pot in, in the soil, but we're also removing the bottom of the pot um, so that the root system has a chance to uh, travel downward and not, not try to work its way through the drainage hole. Because as, as you know, the drainage holes in, in um, you know, the average size pot is going to be, uh, what is it, three, maybe three-quarters or, an, or one inch uh, around, and that's, that really, uh, the roots will go through it and they'll eventually clog. They all try to get through that little hole and, and into the, the moist soil below, and, um, and they, some of them will succeed at that, but it, it just chokes off, uh, chokes off the root systems and packs them all in there and just uh, strangles the flow of nutrients up through the, through the roots. So, so the point is to, to get the um, bottom out of the pot and then bury the pot in the soil. Um, and it, it can be adjustable, too. That's, um, because, the, because the soil acts as a, as a tempering um, medium, uh, if if your if the roots of your particular plant like a warmer um, a warmer system a warmer root system and like higher temperatures then you you don't need to be burying the pot fully into the soil you can lo- you can leave uh, the top half of it for example out and just put the bottom half in uh, like if you're in, with most plants especially in the summer um, you um, you do want to get them down in there you just just bury that pot right right down to the uh, to the lip or upper rim of the of the container. And um, that'll give you the, uh, you know, the desired result, which is allowing the the root system full access to the soil below, but not um, allowing it allowing the roots to go outward, um, and then be um, and then be exposed to uh, potential drying in the very hot sun and uh, overheating in the hot sun, because uh, there may be a, a condition in which the plants, while they are growing, uh, maybe the soil was moist and and um, and then there was a, a drought later on in the season, and the the, uh, the roots sort of spread out, not only down but also out because the water was available near the surface. And then towards the end of the summer, um, uh, with less rain, the soil will get much hotter and much drier, and the roots are still there. They're not going to they're not going to change their position uh, that quickly. Uh, so now you're now a good part of the root system is in a is in a uh, a sort of a, a rough climate for it. Uh, there still would be some down, of course, uh, into the deeper soil, but a lot of it would be would be towards the surface, and that's not you know that's not good in in harsh uh, harsh hot summer conditions. So um, so there's you know a few reasons why you'd want to do this, and it really is sort of fun to try to think about how you can manipulate the um, 
manipulate the containers to get them at the right height and get pick the right sizes and you know how to get the bottoms out without shattering the pot and, and that kind of thing. But um, um, the uh, you know the, the point is you just need to treat the uh, treat the condition or the, or the uh, what you're going to do to it depending on the on the pot you have. Um, the uh, the idea is you'll you'll probably try to uh, you know you'll get you'll get say nine inch pots or eight inch uh, you know eight or nine inch pots and and um, and if you look carefully on the bottom uh, there's usually the recycling uh, symbol and so um, what you want to avoid I'll I'll cover those first because they're, they're they're these are the plastics that may have some harmful ingredients in them. Um, because in a plant, in just a in a house plant or in a in a in a uh, ornamental plant, you really don't you may not really care that much of whether whether you have um, uh, toxic elements in the plastic container. But of course, if you're going to be growing tomatoes or any other uh, edible edibles in the uh, in the containers, then you do want to be aware of the fact that certain um, plastics are not the best to choose for you know choose for this recycling method. Um, so you want to avoid numbers three, six, and seven. And these, uh, to some extent, contain, uh, to, vary, to various varying degrees, contain the BPS, uh, I mean BPA um, uh, toxin, and, and there are some other toxins that could possibly leach into the surrounding soil and into the soil uh, of the of the plant, um, especially in the sun. So um, uh, the the safest ones are the um, are the number five, which is the uh, polypropylene pots. Um, and they're pretty common. Um, and there's some other plastics. Obviously, the food container plastics uh, should be okay. The food grade plastics that you might get from the bakery, for example, that has a um, sometimes they contain uh, sort of a sugar frostings and other types of confectionery stuff um, that ship to that ship to the bakery in these in these white containers. They they should be okay if they're food grade. Um, but um, um, you know, it, it, it's worth it to take your time. Uh, um, to you know, look for the number on the bottom. So the number five and also the number two. Uh, the number two is a high-density polyethylene plastic, and the number five is a, is a polypropylene plastic. These are safe for, you know, for edibles and soil. Um, but again, we would avoid number uh, uh, recycling numbers three, six, and seven. Um, so basically, what you want to do is just cut the bottom of the pot out. Now, it it sounds like it might be easy just to take a saw and cut. The whole bottom off, but that's really not what we want to do because the if you if you leave the uh, if you cut the whole bottom off and and part of the side with it, like in other words, if you went say an inch above the bottom and and made the cut into the side wall of the of the container and remove the entire bottom and and a little bit of the side, the the pot can get sort of flimsy, and you don't we don't really want that. Even though it's buried in the soil, we don't really want it to be um, to be flimsy because if you if you would happen to leave it above ground to some extent it, it could get you know just could could get a little floppy so what we want to try to do is to is to keep um, to keep that lip at the bottom um, intact so basically we can cut uh, take a taking a sharp knife or a coping saw or a um, a hacksaw a short hacksaw blade with if you use gloves or a special handle that that uses a hacksaw or if you have a, a motorized electric jigsaw or battery-powered jigsaw or um, cutting saw like that, you can uh, just go around the the f- turning turn the bucket upside down and starting at the hole in the center, just cut over to 
to about an inch away from the from the uh, edge, the wall of the bucket, and then make a turn either way, right or left, and just just continue to cut around the entire circumference, but leaving about an inch or so of the bottom still attached to the side of the container. So when you when you remove the bottom, there'll be a little lip of about an inch um, sticking out from the sidewall. So that that will really strengthen up the uh, the pot, and it'll, it'll leave plenty of room for um, plenty of room for the uh, root systems to to go seek their uh, water and their and their uh, deeper um, you know deeper soil uh, travels. So you know that's not uh, really isn't that difficult. Um, you can use as I said, you can use a saw, one of the saws I mentioned, or you can even get some. Um, some tin snips or some uh, aviation shears, which are sort of the ones that cut. They're the ones that are marked right and left. So if you're right-handed or left-handed, it cuts. You know, cuts either way. It's not. It's not so much for your your hand, but the way uh, which side the metal uh, as a shear, which side the metal uh, is stays straight, and which side it peels away uh, uh, as it as it cuts through. Um, so either one will work for this purpose. Um, you just. It's a very stout. Uh, set of snips and you can cut through the plastic very easily with them and uh, as I said just cut that cut that circle leaving about an inch of uh, material attached to the side of the, the side of the pot um, if you if you really wanted if you really got sort of stuck for a um, for a method you could also put a, um, a drill bit in a in a electric drill and just drill a, a whole series of holes um, along next to each other all all around the bottom of the pot and um, and then just knock it out, or take a take a pair of uh, scissors or whatever, and just cut the little the little spaces between the holes out, so that you had a uh, you have a a good cut, uh, and and you can remove the bottom. It, it does not matter how smooth that thing is; you're not going to see it, or it's not going to hurt um, being rough because it's going to be in the soil, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, of course, if you cut with a shear or a saw, it's going to be a smooth cut, and if you cut with a uh, a drill bit, you're going to have a lot of ragged little little. Um, points but it, it it does not really matter as long as you get that that bottom out um, the other the other kind of pot is is a lot more tricky um, you can use a, um, a special drill bit to cut through the ceramic of the of the uh, glazed ceramic pots a, a sharp uh, smaller drill bit will go through the um, will go through the material and you can just drill and then uh, use a pair of pliers to to just break off the um, the uh, uh, Pieces between between the drill holes, and it and it will cut. It won't cut cleanly, but it will cut. It should cut without breaking the uh, or uh, snap without breaking the um, the rest of the pot. Now you may find that you do break the rest of the pot. So if if that's if that's a problem, um, you might want to uh, just go back to the to the plastic one. Um, but I will say that the ceramic pot has a has a has another benefit, which makes it really attractive. Um, and that is the fact that the ceramic holds water in itself. It actually it's a, it's actually a clay, you know, a, a porous clay material, and it will um, it will absorb uh, water and hold it. So when you when you bury those pots in the ground and you water your plants, that that uh, container, that that ceramic pot that it's in, that clay pot, is going to absorb water like a sponge. And and long after the sun has dried the soil around the uh, area where the pot is, the, the pot itself is going to be wet, and the root system will be able to soak in additional moisture from the clay pot itself um, long after the, um, after the soil around has been, uh, has been dried out. So that's always a plus, and, and in fact, we, we did another article on, 
on the on olas partially on olas it's it's a, it's a um ola is a uh, a watering system that's used in in um in many uh arid countries it's actually exactly what i described is the it's the practice of of burying um burying clay containers in the soil with the plant in the container so that so that when you water the plant you water the container and the ola watering system was actually uh, an article written for us along with other other features in a in a uh, greenhouse by the uh, by the folks who um, who uh, put out uh, permaculture magazine and they had they had um, uh, done an article an article for us uh, on forest gardening and the use of olas uh, which you know is a good a good starting point because that's exactly the kind of how to information and and re- reusing and recycling stuff uh, it, the kind of approach that we would you know we'd love to talk about so uh, so that's um, that's the other. Basics. I know. I know that. I know that I myself have left the clay pots out in the, through the winter, and when I pick them up in the spring, the bottoms just fall out of them, uh, and they, they break right about the uh, at least the way I've kept them, which is basically on the surface of the soil. They they snap right at the bottom. Just the bottom just comes out, leaving the rest of the pot t- full and tall. And um, you know, since that's already stiff, that would be an ideal um, ideal container that wouldn't warp or anything. It would be as long as it's sound and isn't cracked. Um, and the bottom's gone. It would be a per- it's a perfect uh, a perfect use of that clay pot, which which normally you you normally just have to throw out or or break up and you know mix in with the soil or something like that. But uh, but in in this case, we're putting it to use as a as a as a water harvesting uh, container that uh, really does well in uh, in especially uh, heat you know heat heat soaked summer summer climates. Um, yeah, and as I said, you can um, you can ra- you can um, uh, raise or lower the pot depending on how much uh, moisture and heat you want to want the plant itself to and the root system to absorb. So if you if you need more heat in your root system, if you feel you have a plant that would enjoy a little more heat, um, and this goes for late late season planting too, especially um, the, if you need more heat, you would just pull the container out a little bit. You know, it could come out say say once. Th- uh, one third buried, two thirds out, or half buried, half out. Um, uh, if you if you have plants that you you want to get uh, in deep into the soil, get all that moisture and get all that protection from the heat, you know, put them right down to the lip, um, and uh, so you can still see the see a little edge of the container, but the the vast majority of that container is in is in the ground. Um, and this will work, as I said, it'll work in any any condition. It it it, it actually if if you're planting. Uh, if you're planting in an area that um, you sort of dedicated to a garden, but you don't really have it set up as a garden, it, it makes a, it makes almost like a miniature raised bed garden because they, you know, sticking up a little bit from the from the soil, they um, they're protected from flushing and flooding. Um, uh, you know, the kind of rushy downpour that a lot of our a lot of our uh, communities see uh, summer summer storms that might wash away other systems this is really being protected by the uh, by the container and the lip of the container because they're sticking up out of the soil a bit um and it's also easy to identify the uh, the uh, where the plants are you know right at a glance uh, just from the uh, just from the um, pots you know in the in the soil so it'll work it'll work in raised beds it'll work on the flat surface it'll work in an old garden bed that you hadn't really done anything with uh, this year except you wanted to maybe grow a few tomatoes or whatever um you could run the mower over the uh, over the the plot and just um, and just dig some holes. You don't even have to you don't have to till anything. You just dig some holes and plop, plop the containers right in there. Um, uh, because they're buried, you can leave them in 
you can leave this, the containers right in the ground for the entire year. You don't have to worry about um, taking them out. They'll, be, they'll normally be fine. Um, if you need to rearrange anything or change, your, change up a little bit, change your plan, you can just pull them up and, um, and, and replant them, or you can, you can uh, uh, put them in new containers if you, want, if you wish. Um, you know, so it's really, really flexible. And, um, and you know, the, uh, the point is to make sure that you, you still want to um, uh, maintain the good practices of gardening so you don't really want to bury them in a swampy, um, always moist area. You need, you need good drainage with this system just as, just as you would need good drainage in, in any system. It, it'll do better if it gets, you know, flushed with water or flooded a little bit, but it'll, as long as it drains off, um, uh, you'll be you'll be uh, in uh, you know good shape, um, and you have to make sure that the pots do you know drain quickly, uh, not just from around the pot but down through the bottom, and uh, you know that will that will occur if you if you have the uh, pick the correct kind of soil to uh, to plant in, you know one that drains you know drains well, um, and uh, you you know you'll. Um, Annuals, for example, um, I'm just reading a little bit, a few comments here from from one of the authors. Um, annuals, um, she takes uh, uses her container pots, her varied pots for three seasons of the garden, you know, spring, summer, and fall. But with the annuals, she's found out in her in her climate, which I happen to know is in New England, um, is um, it's a little bit hard to overwinter some of the uh, some of the herbal uh, things that she has grown. Uh, that'd be thyme and comfrey and tarragon. Uh, in the submerged pot, so she just uh, she just pulls them in um, um, in the you know in the winter, uh, or or just lets them go and you know start again for the spring. So um, uh, you can um, uh, plants for for example that like uh, that have tap roots like horseradish or turnips. Um, you can just um, you know you can just plant them even deeper uh, if you need to, or, or select pots that are that are quite tall and. Uh, maybe not as uh, as as broad. I mean, there's really no reason why you can't use a five gallon. Um, certainly, if if you want to, but that's just more you know more. McMurray Hatchery is the world's oldest and largest rare breed hatchery. They have been providing their customers quality poultry since 1917 and have more than 110 different breeds to choose from. Be sure to sign up for their weekly special email at mcmurrayhatchery.com and receive a $5 internet exclusive coupon to use on your first internet order. McMurray Hatchery, the world's largest and oldest rare breed hatchery. Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. 
Strasburg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strasburgschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strasburgschickens.com. All right, thank you very much for staying with us, and I believe we've got Richard that's uh, called back into the switchboard. Richard, thanks for joining us again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That was a um, the phone rang here. One of the other uh, office line phone rang phones rang, and it seems to have cut off the other line for some reason. So uh, I'm back now. So we're all no problem. We're all thank fed. you. Yeah. Um, I um, yeah, I, I pretty much had it wrapped up. Really, I mean, we we're just talking about taproot plants, and you and one and yeah. in that case, you can go down. Uh, can go down deeper, and the, and the root will will find its uh, find its level, and uh, and just as it would if it didn't have a container around it. But um, you know, this is a this is a um, interesting method. I mean, obviously, it's um, in many ways it's it's the kind of the kind of you know nitty gritty uh, sort of picky little little practice that that avid gardeners would would enjoy. But on the other hand, uh, um, for people like myself who really uh, who aren't aren't as much of a gardener as, as you know many people are. Um, it's also a a type of container gardening that has the benefit all the benefits of of uh, of regular raised bed gardening without all the without many of the of the hassles. And um, you know it's the kind of thing you can just maybe just choose even if you just wanted to have a few tomato plants um, and you didn't want to spend a lot of time uh, maintaining a real garden. Uh, you could set out four or six pots like this and. Uh, and uh, probably whether the um, hot, dry summers and the rainy, wet summers, um, you know, a, a lot better than you would if you just had a raised bed garden. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it seemed to be appealing, and it also is the kind of thing that it must must work okay because I've seen um, other, as I was researching the olas and the, and this kind of thing, I see that, it you know, people use it all over the, around the world. I mean, different different parts of the of the uh, Central America and uh, and um, Mexico and uh, some of the drier climates in the Mediterranean is it's a very a very common um, home practice. So uh, you know, so I uh, you know I, I figure it probably works uh, pretty well if, if that many people are using it. Can you share with us which um, uh, issue uh, the article was was in for one of I was a message from the chat room? Uh, yeah, it was called the, actually it was called uh, the title of of the. Article itself is called "Going Bottomless in the Garden," which um, I sort of didn't think it would be appropriate to, <laughs> to send o- over there. But, uh, but um, uh, uh, plus, it didn't really explain anything. But uh, it is July August 2014 issue. That's the last back home issue, and um, and it's just it's just a uh, it's just the bottomless in the garden, which um, which uh, is is basically the use of of pots with the with the bottoms removed. And um, and you know there's there's a little more detail in the article of course but it's not not a whole lot I mean I think I've covered uh, I've covered everything pretty pretty thoroughly um, uh, for that you know for this this sort of brief topic. Yeah, yeah no problem. Okay, very good. I was asking about where they could get more information. So super, and uh, interesting topic, great topic, and uh, I know a lot of people garden with pots. This is a little different way to way to do it. So now they've got some more uh, information and education on hand to figure out. Uh, how they can utilize it around their house and around their homestead. So perfect, uh, perfect uh, information for everybody. New information, I know, to me and probably several others. So we appreciate it, and um, we're looking forward to continuing to have you on the second, fourth Thursdays of uh, of each month, and of course 
pardon me, looking forward to your articles uh, coming up in Chicken Whisper Magazine starting this winter. So we appreciate all that you do, and again, uh, congratulations on uh, and I wish you all the best for your upcoming uh, endeavors. And uh, remember, folks, that uh, really backyard, I mean, uh, back home magazine really isn't kind of going anywhere. Their their uh, permaculture is going to kind of, uh, you'll see that magazine instead. But uh, if you love back home, maybe you're a new follower of them and that and that publication. Uh, they are and have all of the. Every single publication they've done over the last twenty-something years uh, on DVD, uh, so it's not going to take up a lot of space. Not going to collect dust. You can refer to it very easy with the uh, click of your computer and get all that information. Uh, Twenty plus years of information at your fingertips, and you can order all those DVDs at uh, backhomemagazine.com. You can give them a call as well. They'll be happy to talk with you. You'll get a live person that speaks English right there in North Carolina, so uh, got to love that. So, Richard, thank you for joining us today. Another great uh, episode. We look forward to having you back here in a couple of weeks. Okay. We'll see you then uh, at the end of the month. It sounds great. Thank you so much. And that's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard uh, Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer again today. Richard Frutenberger, publisher of Back Home Magazine, uh, which is turning uh, over into, if you will, uh, Permaculture Magazine. So, again, if you have any uh, uh, outstanding issues left on your subscription, you'll start receiving Permaculture Magazine. But, uh, but still check them out, backhomemagazine.com, and take advantage of all the issues they've ever published with all that amazing information there backhomemagazine.com thank you very much for tuning in no more radio shows over the weekend Uh, we will return I'm going to do my best to get to my first location on Monday so we can broadcast live this coming Monday Ask the Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown 2pm right here on Blog Talk Radio so we'll be uh, hitting the road early Monday so we can get parked get situated uh, at our first stop which will be up in Atlanta for the webinar Tuesday but I hopefully will be all ready to go live at 2 p.m. this coming Monday with Peter Brown. And the topic is going to be, give me just a second, and I'll tell you if I still have it open on my computer, which I do. Very interesting topic. Uh, Really kind of a, yeah, the topic. Can you change the sex of chicks by raising or lowering the incubation temperature? Okay. Can you change the sex of chicks by raising or lowering the incubation temperature? Now, I guess my simple answer to that, or my logic regarding that topic that we'll talk about this coming Monday, is if it could be done successfully, wouldn't you think that ideal poultry, cackle hatchery, McMurray hatchery, uh, strawbergs, wouldn't you think all the big boy hatcheries would do that, being that the majority of their sales are pullets? If it was truly reliable, you could really do it, and it was successful. Don't you think they'd be doing that if uh, if it worked? You know, it'd save them an awful lot of money. So uh, that's my take on it, but we'll see what Peter has to say about it on Monday. So I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend with family and friends this weekend and we'll see you right back here Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Blog Talk Radio with another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. God bless everybody.